listening to Canada Reimagined. I'm Patrick Esmond-White. This episode, Grand Strategy. The storm is upon us. The world is in peril. I know this sounds overly melodramatic, but anyone who does not grasp the seriousness of this climate moment has not been paying attention. Events already unfolding will be largely beyond our control. There's no magic wand to end climate change or stop a new Cold War. Population trends and humanitarian crises will persist for decades. But we can do two things. First, get our own house in order, as I have argued. And second, manage our external affairs. On the external front, we cannot adopt a Canada-first approach. We must look outwards to make a real difference in planetary affairs. Nor can we see Canada's safety as simply a matter of military spending. National security requires an integrated approach to policies on immigration, trade, communications, climate, taxes. The list is long. Most serious Canadian politicians know this. It's not new. But what we are doing now is not sufficient. The climate crisis in particular has tossed our understanding of foreign and security policy into a blender. Climate is a key driver of global conflict of humanitarian disasters and of refugee migrations. Our security demands we be part of the climate solution, not the problem. Climate spending might actually be part of our defense budget, but even that is not going far enough. It's in our self-interest to help countries less fortunate than Canada. If we help build democracy, reduce poverty, and fight climate change overseas, it turns down the heat of the global pressure cooker. With all this, we need, and actually have, partners, allies. Globally, democracy may be in crisis. Authoritarian regimes may have absolute control in Russia, China, and a host of other countries, yet the democratic alliances exist, and they must grow and spread. Sadly, we do have to worry about what's happening in the United States as we make our calculations. We can have no confidence that things will go well for democracy in our southern neighbor. More on that later. If I sound bleak, I do believe there's still room for hope if we act. But hope alone is just a word in action is suicidal. The reason for hope is that we share things in common with every other sane country on earth things we can build on. We even share things with totalitarian countries, things we can build on. Citizens everywhere need food and water, housing, health, security, and a belief that things can get better. Even the worst governments fear climate catastrophes. We can build on these things we share, and we can also lead by example. For this, we need a grand strategy. That's a term military theorists use to describe a strategy that does not just win a war, it also sets you up for success in the future after the war. It has a vision. Throughout history, there are lots of examples of winning a war and destroying yourself in the process. A Pyrrhic victory was the classical Roman example. Today, to illustrate, you might win a nuclear war but nobody would be around to celebrate. 
Another way of explaining a grand strategy, let me quote baseball manager Yogi Berra. If you don't know where you're going, you'll end up someplace else. We need to know where we are going as a country. Let me use the idea of a grand strategy and the ultimate outcome we should aim for. Quite simply, the long-term goal is a sustainable planet where a democratic Canada enjoys peace, order, and good government. It's clear that a Canadian grand strategy must be built around alliances with democracies and emerging democracies around the world. No country can do it alone. There is strength in numbers, as the Ukrainians have demonstrated. Many countries have some version of a vision statement. I'll stick with peace, order, and good government, adding in a sustainable planet. Different countries do democracy differently based on their history, culture, and resources. No problem. Vive la différence. The more difficult problem involves how to build relationships with countries that are hostile to democracy. Here, we can take grand strategy advice from the British military theorist Basil Liddell Hart. He advised the confrontation be avoided in favor of an indirect approach. That is... To avoid an uncontrollable crisis, we must flank and distract the enemy while holding our ground. Flank and distract. Let me look at some global powers with this in mind. Take Russia. For years, Putin got away with anything and everything, almost totally untouchable. The West did not hold its ground. Obama let him off the hook over Syria and Crimea. Trump cozied up to him, even encouraging interference in American politics. All this emboldened Putin to attack Ukraine. Russia could have continued to flank NATO, the indirect approach, slowly nibbling away around the edges, but Putin misread the opportunity. Seeing weakness, he chose direct action, an invasion. That was a massive strategic blunder. However the war ends, Russia will be weaker. Of course, while Ukraine does the fighting, the NATO allies are trying to avoid a larger crisis, potentially nuclear. So, NATO has adopted the indirect strategy. That is, economic sanctions and arms to Ukraine while avoiding direct confrontation. Ukraine is a proxy war of attrition. NATO will support Ukraine, exhaust Russia, and if they do it right, rebuild Ukraine when it's all over. The last part is all too often forgotten. The Russians themselves will ultimately solve the Putin problem. Putin knows this. It's what will allow the brutal and bloody war to end. It's also when the door to democracy in Russia will be ajar once again. Now, China, by contrast, has successfully used an indirect approach against Western democracies. In my lifetime, Mao united China under communist rule. China, in the mid-1900s, was a huge, rural, uneducated peasant land. Mao promised food and water, housing, health, security, and hope. To deliver this to 1.4 billion people, the communists adopted totalitarian policies we would despise. Human rights were suppressed, and they made massive mistakes like the Great Leap Forward, which caused millions of deaths from famine. But over time, 
the communists did deliver constant growth, better living conditions. In three quarters of a century, the massive peasant population has joined the middle class. During all this, China followed the indirect approach to foreign policy. With Hong Kong, China waited patiently for the formal lease of Hong Kong to end. Then, step by brutal step, they eliminated democracy. True, this was in violation of their treaty with Britain, but the British had left, they were outflanked. The indirect approach is also used against Taiwan. The Chinese, of course, insist that Taiwan is part of China. They conduct military exercises that threaten invasion, but stop short of conflict. They go to the brink, but never cross the line. The threat of war serves two purposes. It unites China in solidarity, and it distracts everyone else from other Chinese initiatives to become the leading global power. Another example of China's indirect approach was the plundering of Canada's most successful company, Nortel. Two decades ago, 70% of the world's internet traffic went through Nortel equipment. China wanted it. They planted spies and surveillance bugs inside Nortel buildings and stole Nortel's intellectual property. Greed and mismanagement by senior Nortel executives only added to the problem, but China was the true author of the Nortel collapse, with Huawei rising from the ashes. Canada lost. Looking into the future, China needs raw resources. It's aggressively scouring the world to buy and steal what they can. Under the so-called Belt and Road Initiative, China's building infrastructure, securing raw materials, and investing around the world. China logically supports Russia in the war against Ukraine, buying and selling to them. This is basic grand strategy. We're just learning how to play the game. With this context in mind, what should our grand strategy be? Canada is, after all, a small, weak power, far from the main regions of conflict. How can little Canada influence world events to achieve our desired outcome? We have to play the game. The great game. You've been listening to Canada Reimagined. I'm Patrick Esmond White. I'm responsible for this podcast. My thanks go to Tom Evans for the artwork, Tom Plant for the music, and to Harbinger Media for supporting Canadian independent podcasters. Tune in again next week. Take care. <laughs>